So this is the Hidden Palace, I'm Skyblaze and we're going to be talking about hardware this week um, because I found some pretty interesting stuff about hardware that I would like to talk about and share with you guys. Um, so did you know that Sega got its start producing pinball games for the native Japanese market? Since at the time, it was the 1970s, uh, pinball games were imported, usually from the West, and were incredibly expensive uh, because of import tariffs. And so it was they were really expensive to buy and even to use. They cost a lot of yen to actually even play a game on them. So as a result, uh, the Sega Pinball Division opened, uh, producing their own versions of pinball. Um, Unfortunately, they closed in 1979 because they didn't have a great reputation for maintaining their boards, their playfields. Uh, the, the quality was a little bit shoddy, which is a bit of a shame. However, they had a Spanish subsidiary known as Segasa, which were lasted until 1986, which imported the Japanese pinball games that Sega had developed, as well as licensed versions of the Williams Electronics pinballs to the Spanish market. Now, I don't actually have any pinball-specific music. So, let me proceed with this from the Sonic Stadium Music Adventure 2012, I think. Uh, by Super Psy Guy, and this is Cluck Alert for Toxic Caves. And I'm back again. I forgot that bit was on the end of that track. Never mind. An horror show that doesn't have a tech issue is boring. <laughs> Thank you, I. I appreciate that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm still having tech issues to start with. We'll proceed anyway. 
So, uh, continuing with my uh, theme book about the hardware and technology behind Sega. Did you know that it is possible to connect the Dreamcast up to a modern broadband connection? I don't even mean using the rare and very expensive broadband connector. As seriously, the last time I looked up how much the broadband adapters were, it was something around 200 quid. Sod that. What you actually need for this particular solution is a PC with a serial modem. Uh, you can pick them up in like bargain bins for not a great deal. Just find one with the driver that works on your current machine. Uh, and a virtual machine running Linux. So if you use something like um, VMware, uh, you can set up a virtual machine. And the idea is that you need to set up your PC as what's called a PC to DC server. And then your PC can act as a bridge between your Dreamcast and your broadband connection. I have seen some places that do uh, a Raspberry Pi to act as the PCDC server. And there is actually specific pieces of software that you can put on a Raspberry Pi that will do that. Uh, there are various guides online that you can look up, um, various Dreamcast-specific sites that will do it for you. Uh, but do be aware that it is a very technical process, this. And knowing something about networking and software and setting up PCs is pretty useful, if not vital. Uh, it's also worth bearing in mind that if you want to do this, there are um, private servers available for Fantasy Star Online and a couple of other online Dreamcast games, which is really awesome. Uh, this is not even getting into the fact that there are still homebrew Dreamcast games being made, which is complete insanity. It's very cool, but it's complete insanity. Um, the fact that the Dreamcast was so easy to crack open and pirate the games probably has something to do with it, I suspect. Yeah, using the Raspberry Pi is a really cool idea. I really wish I could do that, but my Raspberry Pi is currently acting as an emulation station my, uh, for um, my classic gaming needs. Making homebrew Dreamcast games complete insanity, my own. It kind of is. How old is the console now? It's got to be like 20 years old. And people are still making games for it. Oh well. Right, uh, on that note, I think we should have some more music. And I think since I've been talking about uh, Fantasy Star Online, we should have some music from Fantasy Star Online. So let's have uh, Fantasy Star Online, A Song for Eternal Story. Let's go with that. So I hope you enjoy. again. That music's actually incredibly loud. Let's switch back to the other one. Yeah, I 
prefer that one, it's quieter. Right, since we're talking, uh, that was uh, Fantasy Star Online, a song for Eternal Story. Uh, speaking of the Dreamcast, you know, its hardware is very compatible with the Sega Naomi platform, which is known for being the platform that arcade games like Virtua Tennis and Samba de Amigo ran on, which meant it was stupidly easy to make flawless arcade ports. So as a general rule, if a game ran on Sega Naomi, it tended to have a Dreamcast port. Something also completely random that I discovered uh, the other day. Uh, the reason why the Mega Drive was called the Genesis in the US was because someone in that region already had a trademark on the name Mega Drive for making hard drives. Which makes a certain amount of sense, it's just really boring. What's going on in the chat? Yeah, people are, uh, are liking the uh, the idea of uh, the Dreamcast um, Dreamcast Bridge for the. Uh, Mister Wonderman says people are still making games from the Mega Drive. Look at PS Solar. I know, but um, there's such a huge homebrew market community everything else for the Dreamcast and the setting up of private servers they actually realised people realised that the the shutdown was coming and they sniffed all the traffic on, for the servers for Fantasy Star Online so they could reverse engineer it from scratch I don't the amount of effort that that would take and the the time and energy was is pretty incredible um, speaking of Dreamcasts, uh, what's the weirdest version of a Dreamcast that you've ever seen? Because I have seen, in the flesh, um, a pink, semi-transparent Hello Kitty Dreamcast, which I saw in uh, CEX in London, back when CEX actually stood for Computer Exchange and was a proper retro gaming store. I thought that was really cool. Have you guys seen any weird modded Dreamcasts? If you have, let me know through Discord chat or you can contact me via Twitter. My ID on Twitter is at Blazing Skies. That's all one word, so at Blazing Skies. CEX has N64s now. In some stores it does. Uh, I actually have a slightly better option for retro gaming because I have a store locally called Playtime who are very very good at retro gaming stuff and they really know their stuff so they know what they're looking at and they know how to identify faked cartridges which a lot of the time CEX doesn't. Not really weird but badass Kitty Kickass says. Oh wow that's really beautiful. So Rock Guard DC Blues. Is that actually been cut into and then transparent put on there. That's really beautiful. That looks amazing. Okay. Well, I think we should have some more music. I think... You know, uh, I knew Fruit mentioned earlier the, the game Virtual On. I think we should have some music from Virtual On. And I think it should be Fade to Black from the arcade, Virtual On Arcade. So let's play that now.
and I am back. Uh, people are talking about some amazing uh, Dreamcast mods. Somebody's actually, uh, I think it was PT Kickass, uh, showed a picture of a Dreamcast that's been heavily externally modified. Or maybe somebody's actually crammed a Dreamcast into a model of the Millennium Falcon. It looks amazing. If you can find that picture, uh, it's absolutely incredible. It's an incredible console mod. I am very impressed. Um, people are also talking about uh, the different optimization and the uh, versions of games that we got in the PAL regions as opposed to uh, the US and Japan. Yeah, we had a lower frame rate uh, because we, ha we it ran at 50 FPS as opposed to 60. Uh, as a compensation, though, we got the option of having SCART connectors, um, which meant that we had much better graphical fidelity as opposed to the poor sods in America who were stuck with RF connectors. If you go online and look up the difference between the two, it's truly phenomenal. It's really, it's really quite depressing. And I've not got any music in the background, I should fix that. Let's fix that. There we go. Why is Sonic faster in America? Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that video. That's actually it's actually uh, goes into quite a lot of detail. It's uh, pretty informative. Now then, uh, was Mud talking about the Dreamcast earlier? And did you know, however, that the Dreamcast wasn't the first Sega console to have internet access? I don't know. That honor, believe it or not, actually went to the Mega Drive way back in 1990. Because in Japan, and later on in Brazil, there was a device called the Mega Modem, which worked over dial-up internet to access a service called Sega MegaNet, and could be used to access exclusive online titles like Mega Man The Wily Wars and Golden Axe 3. There was actually a related device, I think it was called the Mega Answer, that could be used for online banking. So yeah, in 1990, you could do online banking and online gaming. How mad is that? There had been plans to release the service in the USA under the name Telegenesis, uh, but it never actually happened. Instead, Sega um, went to US cable TV and launched the Sega Channel in 1993, which is a much better known service. Um, unfortunately, because of the demise of uh, the Sega MegaNet, a lot of those exclusive online titles, the US version of, uh, sorry, the uh, Japan and Brazil version of Mega Man The Wily Wars and Golden Axe 3 are now extraordinarily difficult to get hold of. Um, they were, those particular versions don't have any dumps that I'm, that I'm aware of, so you can't really get hold of them anymore, which is just about the saddest thing ever. Uh, don't forget the Sega Channel in the US. Yeah, uh, so I was uh, mentioning the Sega Channel. Um, which was a cable TV subscription service that worked on, I think it worked on the Mega Drive and worked on the Saturn uh, to do many of the same things that the MegaNet did, uh, exclusive online gaming and so on. Um, however, the subscription costs of it were really high, so you didn't get a huge amount of take-up for it because it was so expensive. I mean, you had to buy a regular uh, cable subscription and this, which uh, monetarily didn't really make a huge amount of sense unless you were very, low, very, uh, very, very rich. Uh, US dollar per year? I'm not sure. Um, I would have to look it up. I think it changed a couple of times, but it was pretty expensive for the time. Uh, Mr. Wonderman says we did get the cartridge version uh, of the in the EU of Mega Man: The Wily Wars. Yes, we did eventually. I think it got it came out later than the uh, the Mega Net version, though. Um, I am going to see if I can look up how much the uh, Sega Channel subscription was because I am curious as about how much that was. Uh, I know that in its height there was 250,000 subscribers. Uh, I think it was, uh, £13 a month? 13 to £14, uh, $13, $14 a month, uh, according to the information I've got here. 
Um, there are Sega Channel adapters still kicking around. You can find them. They're pretty expensive. Um, but apparently Sega Channel was actually a fairly popular service and it worked fairly well. Who knew? And the $25 activation fee. Yeah. It's a bit like a modern internet service, but you had to pay for it on top of your regular cable subscription, which is why it didn't really make a huge amount of sense. So with that in mind, I think we should play some more music. Uh, let's play some music from Golden Axe 3. So let's play Golden Axe 3's Death Mountain. And I am back again. Uh, people are talking about subscription services on the chat. It wasn't released in the Mega Drive collections. It's, I think it uh, sort of depended, but I would have to look it up in extensively. You probably are right, Mr. Wonderman, about whether and when Golden Axe 3 was available. Uh, I know the Wily Wars did get an EU release. I don't think Golden Axe got released for quite a long time until a, a long time in the EU until much later. Now, going delving into history as well, uh, back again. If I were to ask people what Sega's first home console was, what would you say? Go on, I am curious. Give me your answers, Internet. What was Sega's first home console? Oh, some people have got it in the chat. So a lot of people would say that it is the Master System, but they'd be wrong. Now a couple of people in the chat, um, let's give them a shout out. 
uh, Mr. Wonderman and Veritex have correctly identified it as being the SG-1000, which was basically a glorified ColecoVision slash MSX clone that was released in Japan, Europe, South Africa, and Australasia. Uh, it was made with your bog-standard off-the-shelf parts for its internals, um, and it shipped with wired-in joysticks, which were pretty similar to the ones that came with uh, the Atari 5200, which was around uh, about around the same time. Um, it also meant that because it was so similar to the ColecoVision MSX, a lot of games were very easy to port backwards and forwards between the two consoles. Uh, had a pretty successful um, advertising campaign, especially in um, South Africa. And the interesting thing about that advertising campaign is that's the first place that the famous Sega jingle appeared. Isn't that cool? Let's check out what the chat's saying. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but I am sad. Um, the Master System was also uh, originally called the Sega Mark III in Japan. And like the Famicom, it was renamed and heavily redesigned for export to other reasons, which included changing the case a lot, so I got a really heavy retool, uh, so it was black instead of white and grey. The original Sega Mark III, the mass system in Japan, is a very bland looking white and grey. Um, it does, the Mega Master System, however, does share a lot of internal components and design with the, uh, the game, with the Game Gear, sorry, I can't speak, which enables a lot of Master System games to later be ported to the Game Gear after that came out. Uh, the master system also lacked the FM chip. It did, which meant that you couldn't do the uh, ad you couldn't put the add-on that made it sound better, if I remember correctly. Um, one interesting thing is uh, that in Brazil, the master system was so mind-bogglingly popular that licensed plug-and-play, you know, the ones that you plug just into your TV, versions of the Master System are still being sold to this day by a Sega subsidiary called Tectoy. Imagine a console, 20, a, a more than 20, like nearly 30-year-old console still being that popular in a random region of the world. Brazil also really likes the Mega Drive and Dreamcast, which is cool. I think it's pretty awesome. But yeah, I think we should have some more music. So I think since we've been talking about uh, the Sega Mark III, I think we should have some music from the Mark III. I think I'll do a couple of tracks this time, actually. So let's have some music from that. So here is uh, Fantasy Star Dungeon 2 from the Sega Mark III.
Hello, and we are back. And my computer is being odd. Bear with me. Why are you being peculiar? There we go. Alright, okay. Right, talking about Sega's early history. Oh, that guy! Yes, I do know that one. I, I couldn't remember his name. And I was not sure if he was an official mascot or not. But yeah, the original Sega mascot um, was a, a, a rabbit called Asobin. Asobin? Asobin? I don't know. However you pronounce that. He had a monocle and a top hat. It was even prior to Alex Kid, so who knows? Um, apparently showed up in the, um, the Sega Hard Girls anime, I think. So that's worth a meter. That's worth a, la a look if you fancy a laugh. By the way, um, but yeah, on the topic of uh, hardware. You know, and we were talking about uh, licensed devices and, and plug-and-play functionality and, uh, and things. You know, there's an inexplicable number of random devices that have Mega Drive functionality bin built into them. Um, such as the Wonder Mega, or also known as the XI in the US. X apostrophe E-Y-E. What was with the 90s and random apostrophes and Xs? I don't know. Extreme and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, the Wonder Mega was built by JVC, um, which was a Mega Drive and Sega CD in one unit, which had improved sound support. There was also the Multi Mega, which was a portable CD player and Mega Drive and Mega CD, or Sega CD, depends on want to say it. Depends on if you're in Europe or America, I guess. Uh, had an interesting feature that it wouldn't let you play games if it was running on the batteries instead of the mains, which was curious. There was also the Terra Drive or the Amstrad Mega PC, which are IBM PCs with a built-in Mega Drive. Anything that sat still long enough apparently had a Mega Drive bolted onto it. Um, <laughs> apparently the Terra Drive can actually run the PC and Mega Drive functions simultaneously. Which, I don't even know. You could play them at the... I don't know. Uh, yeah, Mumbo, Mumbo King, who's over on the... Uh, or, uh, the, uh, the ICQ feed, uh, is posting some Wikipedia articles about the Terra Drive and the Amstrad Mega PC. They're actually pretty interesting if you if you really fancy um, looking those up. However, the one that really blows my mind, and the one that I'm, I just... What? When I heard about this, I was just amazed, was the PA, PAC-S1 add-on module for Pioneer's Laser Active LaserDisc player, which allows Sega CD games to be played on that unit, as well as standard laser discs. What? Does anyone else remember when laser discs were going to be the next big thing? Anyone at all? Just me then. Oh god, I'm old. Really, really bloody old. I actually know a guy who's got the uh, Alien trilogy in laser disc, in laser disc format. The cover art looks beautiful, but it's completely pointless. He's got it in a frame. Some people are weird. It's like collecting vinyl, I guess. Actually, less functionality than collecting vinyl. <laughs> let's move on then. Let's have some more music. Uh, let's have... Since we're talking, uh, there's a lot of these that are uh, built-in Sega CD. Let's have some Sega CD music. What should we have? I think we should have something from Sonic CD because it's amazing. Uh, yeah, let's have some sort of something from Sonic CD's Temporal Duality album by OC Remix. This is Metafist, uh, Base for a Better Tomorrow. Which is from the Special Tage Japanese edition. Enjoy. Let's get, let's get, let's get. 
again and it's getting close to the end of the show so i'm just going to do one more segment and then i'll play one more track and then we'll wrap up so last week uh, i mentioned the nvidia nv1 series of graphics card which were designed for the saturn and did came out for the pc somebody actually messaged me to ask if so speculatively if they have an nv1 graphics card and don't know how can they actually tell Well, the easiest way is actually to pick up the graphics card, look at the main board and look at the chips on it and see if one actually says NV1 written on it. Well, all NV1 compatible cards would have NV1 written on them. The NV1 card that you're most likely to see is the Diamond Edge 3D series of cards, which curiously came with a daughter board connector that enabled you to play on your PC with your Saturn gamepads which is long before the days of USB gamepads for things like the Xbox or the Mega Drive or the SNES. Some versions of the Diamond Edge 3D actually came with Saturn controllers and several PC ports of Saturn games, such as Panzer Dragoon and Virtua Fighter Remix. I think that's pretty awesome. Of course, as I mentioned last time, the NV1 card actually went the way of the Dodo fairly high speed but it's still pretty cool um also the cards were actually fairly decent um the level of performance you would get out of it compared to software renderers software uh, to software acceleration rather let me speak properly was incredible there's a video i think by lazy game reviews lgr i think which goes into some more detail about that. Uh, it's a pretty good review. Also, a lot of this stuff is worth looking at on, uh, on YouTube. You can find it fairly easily. Right, uh, I am pretty much done for this evening. And I... That's the one, Bumba King. There's LGR Hardware Diamond Edge 3D. Yeah, it's a, that's a pretty interesting, um, pretty interesting review. It's worth looking at. So, I am almost done for today. I have been Skyblaze. This has been The Hidden Palace. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I apologise again for the different tech issues we had at the top of the show. Um, But I hope everyone's had a good time regardless. And I hope you've learned something and found something pretty interesting in in this. And I hope you join me again next week. Uh, If you want, you can talk to me over Twitter. My... Hash, my name is at Blazing Skies, or if you want to direct it to the Radio Sega guys, they'll probably pass it on to me. So, uh, problem of the week, says Mr. Wonderman. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm starting to think the show's cursed. Let's hope not. Let's hope I can break the curse for next week. So, I will see you next week, and for now, let's have some music from Virtua Fighter Remix. Let's have the game start theme. So, thank you very much for listening. And I will see you again. Take care and good night.
Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.